evening, folks. It is Sunday night at half nine, so that means that it's time for this week's edition of the Jersnet Weekly Podcast with me, your host, Colin Armstrong, filling in for Ross, who's taking a sickie this week. It is episode 41 of the Jersnet Podcast, uh, and you can join us via the, the comments on the YouTube. And we would encourage you to subscribe to the, the podcast and share it on uh, the social medias and all that kind of stuff. The podcast is live tonight, but it can also be streamed and downloaded on a various uh, form of platforms, including Acast, iTunes, YouTube, CastBox, and Stitcher. And we are now available on Spotify. We're properly down with the kids now. Uh, while I've got you here, we would also encourage you to vote for us for the British Podcast Awards. We're fairly accepting that we're not going to win it, but if you listen to the podcast and you enjoy it, then we would appreciate your vote. Joining me tonight on the Jersnet podcast, we've got the gaffer in again. It's Stuart Franklin. How are you, Stuart? I'm very well, mate. Not too much sun, not too much beer, so ready to go. Did you have a good Easter Sunday? It was very good, actually. I must admit, the weather's been fantastic the last couple of days, hasn't it? So I'm off work tomorrow as well. So I'm all nice and refreshed after a good one yesterday as well. Where did you get up to? Were you just lounging out the back or did you have some lamb? Were you chasing Easter eggs? What were you up to? Yeah, we did did have uh, a, a roast dinner, but it was chicken, wasn't it? It wasn't a lamb. My wife went in the spring to the extra money for the lamb, unfortunately. So uh, we just sat at the yeah, back yeah. and let us cook I, away. Don't be kidding me on here, sure. You mean you wouldn't spring to the extra money? That's uh, I've heard that about you. You know, <laughs> heard that you're, you're keen on the money. Well, uh, <laughs> maybe you're right, mate. Aye, I think I'm right. Uh, also joining us tonight is David Fraser. How are you, David? How was your Easter Sunday? Very well, thanks, Colin. My Easter Sunday was was perfectly acceptable. Watching the game, uh, the wee game of tennis with my daughter, so that was pretty good. Thanks yourself. Ah, not bad. A wee game of tennis. You like the tennis, eh? I like tennis. I just I something to do with my with my seven year old daughter. So she was a bit of a grumpy mood. So it wasn't it was it was less enjoyable than what it what it normally is. But uh, I the Stuart says the sun was was out. And he watched a bit of Everton Man U and then Cardiff Liverpool after it, so I've had a good day. She's a bit grumpy, I wonder where she gets that from. Oh, An absolute be, mystery. Wouldn't it be me, with it? You sure? Oh, I, don't oh, I, don't, I don't know. Oh, I, I don't know. know. Anyway, right. Uh, well, we've got a couple of topics to look at tonight. Uh, obviously, the game at Tynecastle yesterday. Uh, we'll have a wee look through some of the talking points from the week. Uh, including Big Eck was removed from his, his position as Scotland manager. We'll have a wee discussion about that. Have a wee look at what Dave King was saying through the week. And obviously there's the issue around the Kilmarnock ticket controversy. We'll have a wee discussion around that. And we'll also have a wee quick squint at the Aberdeen game next week. And as the title race maybe still on after Celtic failed again to win today. Uh, I doubt it, but you never know. So on to yesterday, guys. Uh, I'll come to you first. Stuart, what did you make of the starting eleven yesterday? It seemed fair enough to me. I think uh, given the same the same eleven, the the chance to go and build on what we had done in the, the previous two games seemed uh, the right the right decision, and I, I think that was 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 proven to be correct as the uh, the game unfolded. Played very well, most of the team. I think I don't think they really had a bad game. So aye, I was I was, I was pretty happy and can't complain at all. Do you think it's good that, I mean, obviously there's been a couple of suspensions and I think Gerard's been forced to use his squad in some areas of the part. It, it seems that players are benefiting from that. Would you agree with that? Aye, well, obviously we've changed our system a wee bit. It's, we're, we're playing a lot more sort of tighter. The guys are, are, are playing sort of 
inside sort of forwards, your Candiaces and your um, your Scott Arfield. So, aye, it's 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 worked out quite well. I mean, I think we were all pretty worried when we knew Morelos wasn't going to be playing for a for uh, four games, and obviously losing Kent as well makes you takes two your sort of your goal scoring threat and your creative threat right at the side. So you you worry um, that that we might struggle on that front, but. To be fair to the manager and his coaching team, and obviously to the players, they've they've uh, they've done the business in the last few games, and uh, really can't argue with the way the system's worked. I don't know if other teams might get wise to it now, uh, possibly. Um, obviously, Aberdeen tend to play in a distinct way against us uh, next week, so it'll be interesting to see if this this formation works against them primarily because that's the type of the game that we've struggled in with teams sitting deep and, and packing defences. So. Um, aye, it's 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 been good. It's been good to see it. I think the only person that won't be happy is is probably Alfredo Morelos. Aye, aye, that's a good point. Uh, David, obviously it was a three 0 one. We've, we've we've been very successful against Hearts this season. Beat them in every game. Three 0 one year, so they fairly routine. Uh, the first goal, you know, Flanagan comes flying in with the tackle. Kamara, a great pass through to Defoe, puts it away. Sort of falling falling on from what Frankie's just said there. Do now, do you think the foes adding something different to the team now? And I always felt we were a wee bit over reliant on uh, Morelos, but that's nine goals in three games since Morelos was suspended. And does it? Do you think we actually function a wee bit better without him in the side? Possibly, possibly. I could see why people would come to that conclusion. Um, I think. You could possibly explain it away with the fact that they've, they've got to be a wee bit more precise in their in their uh, their kind of chance creation, if you like. Um, that might sound a wee bit daft, but where I'm coming from is that that Morelis can, you know, he's he's very adept at being a one man strike force. Obviously, Jermaine Defoe is a, a completely different player. Um, that's not to say he can't occupy defenders. Of course, he can't, but. Morelis, um, you know, he tended to be, you know, the intended recipient of kind of speculative crosses, especially for Daniel Candias. Whereas in the last couple of games, there's been more, um, there's been more point to the to the passing and the, and the, the moving. If you if you take my point, and that you know, there just seems to be more precision about it. There's just something about it. As Stuart was saying there earlier. Um, it just seems to function a bit better. I don't know what it is. I mean, you, you wouldn't, to the extent, would you say, you know, would Morelos get back in the team? And you, you'd be, you'd be daft to to, um, to exclude him for the for the game. But um, the, the performances of late have been have been really good. And as Stuart rightly mentioned there, it was a, when he gets sent off at Parkhead. I think of the next few games are going to be tough without him, but. The rest of the players have stepped up to the mark. They've obviously changed the style of play slightly. Uh, the midfield three, uh, even without Ross McCrory um, and his tenacious tackling in the middle of the park, they've looked apart. Whether that's because they've come up against average teams, that might be, have something to do with it. But um, I think you know you, you could make a case that we've functioned better as a team when Benelis not in it. But you know, we'll need to wait and see when he becomes available again. I should highlight that Christine Somerville's added, uh, you know, regular contributor, Christine, to the pod. She's pointed out that I got the score wrong. It was actually 3 1 yesterday, no 3 none. So thanks for that, Christine. Uh, in, in terms of what you were saying, though, though, David, I would agree. I think I, I was a bit like you and, 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 and Stuart in terms of when 
Morelos was out, you started to fear, you know, the next games, the next few games are going to be tricky. But you know, as I said, that's nine goals in three games. We've only conceded one, and I think having the four up front does give us a different way of doing things. As you say, I think when when Morelos is in the team, it's just a case of get him the ball, get him involved in battles, get him working, you know, centre halves and a back four. Can't really do that with the four, and the team seemed to have adapted to him being in team pretty well. And I think it's brought the best out of some other players. You know, that midfield three, as you pointed out yesterday, I thought they were really, really impressive. Kamara, 50k, he's, he's starting to look like a, an absolute steal. Yeah, I was really impressed with Ryan Jack yesterday. Stephen Davis, I thought, again, sort of improved on his sort of earlier performances. So, yeah, I would. I would agree. I think everyone in the garden looks looks fairly rosy at the moment, despite the fact that we're you know we're still a few points behind Celtic. Can I just add something else to that, Colin? Um, yeah. I think thanks, Scott. I think the the, the contribution of Scott Arfield playing and what I regard is probably his best position, just off the striker. I think you kind of you kind of um, underplay the the value that he's had and that, that kind of change and and how successful we've been as a team unit. I think we're definitely seeing the best. Of, the best of Scotty. I would agree with that. Uh, I look at Scott Arfield. This is how I look at players. I always look at them and think, would I like playing with them at my five-a-sides on a Wednesday night? And Scott Arfield's one of them. I just look at him and think, he'd be somebody you would want in your team. You know what I mean? He's somebody you would enjoy playing with. And since he's maybe getting asked to do a wee bit more now that Morelos isn't there, he's, he's stepped up. You know what I mean? He's absolutely stepped up, no doubt about it. Stuart, the third goal yesterday, uh, it came for Katic. Now, obviously, he's had a bit of a, a, bit of a troubled season. You know, he came in and, and started fairly well. Uh, he sort of fell out of the team. Warrell got in the team, I think it was around about the time when we started the, the, the Europa Cup run. He's, he's been back in the last two or three games. Did you think he's looking like he's coming back onto a game? Because I really feared for him at one stage at Ibrox. He's just done, done well, obviously. I, th- I think he's been brought in mainly because... Um, Hearts, well, Motherwell uh, last week and then Hearts today with Ekpiasa, uh, or sorry, yesterday back in the team, they're always got to go quite direct. Uh, so we'd use somebody that's, that, that can deal with that aerial threat. And I think uh, Warrell's decent on the ball, uh, but as much as quite a, quite a big unit, he's, he's not that great in the air at all, actually. And neither is Goldson. Um, so I think it was important to, to get a player in that, that can be a, um, a, a, a bit better in, in, on that front. And Katic definitely brings you that. And I think he showed that, uh, particularly yesterday. I thought he was excellent. Um, it appears he had turned on once, um, and that's the only chance that he had in the whole game. He was um, Katic was there all the time, and every long ball that Hearts played, Katic won almost. So he was really, really uh, first class. And I think um, I think he still looks a wee bit, you know, completely sharp. Um, if anything, he's maybe carrying just a bit, a bit, a bit extra weight. Could maybe do with, with dropping a few pounds or two. Um, might help with his pace, and he's obviously Katic is not not a football player in terms of wanting to pass the ball to defence or all the rest of it. But sometimes I don't. I mean, you're a certain half. You just need guys that are willing to clear it, stick it out, start again. You know, reset rather than muck about. I mean, I think we would have asked for that in the commander game. We got beat the first game back in the in 2019, and we might be even sitting better than where we are just now. You know, it's. Um, ifs and buts, but uh, there's no doubt Katic, there's a player there and it's just it's up to the, the manager to, to get the best out of him. 
David, do you, do you think there's still a, a sort of because I did hear from him at one point through the season, he, he sort of disappeared off the the radar altogether. Do you think there's still a possibility of a long term future for him at Rangers? I would say so. I would say so. If, if, well, well, first and foremost, he's obviously he's a player. Uh, Joe Joe Warrell's in all likelihood going to go back to Forest. Uh, may well be sold by Forest. Um, I very much doubt he's going to come back next season. Uh, it depends who, who they get in. Obviously, Gareth McCauley's only, I'm sure I'm right in saying this, only in a one-year deal, so I would very much doubt his contract will be renewed. So I think they could be in the market for possibly two centre-halves. Um, would that then push Nikola Katic to the, to the head of the queue to partner Conor Goldson? I'm not too sure. Um, a lot of, he's still raw, Nikola Katic. Um, but as Stuart was alluding to there, I think you've seen yesterday's his, his natural aggression as a centre-half came at the four yesterday. Um, he wins balls near, which is, is vitally important in the Scottish Premier League. Um, and I, I would I would like to think that he has got a long-term future. Whether he's an automatic first-choice pick is really down to him. Um, Stuart said there he's, he's not the greatest uh, of footballers. Ah, yeah, I reckon he could, it's fair comment to level that criticism at him. Um, he's not the he's not the most comfortable, naturally comfortable player on the ball, but um, he's still relatively young, and uh, I like to think that you know the, the coaching staff can uh, go in the, the rougher ages off his game and, and, and turn him into a player. Um, he's certainly got the, the physical attributes to, to be a, a good player, and, and I agree with what Stuart was saying slightly. He's he's lost that kind of sharpness at the start of the season. He, he was he was pretty rapid. Um, and he dovetailed really well with Conor Goldson at the start of the season. Whether they can regain uh, that synergy that they had together remains to be seen. But I would, I'd like to think that he's, because he's on our books, I wouldn't imagine that he's, he'd be moved on in the summer. Do you think, surely the fact that he's, he's, he's lost that bit of sharpness, surely that's down to not playing football. I thought he looked, I was really surprised the night that he, he was he was taken out of the side and Morrow came in, because I thought he was playing really, really well at that that point, and I wonder if there's an argument to say that part of him looking a wee bit out it was that knocked his confidence a wee bit. And I, I would like to, to see him get a run on the side because I liked what I saw Ikatic at the start of the season. I, I hear what you're saying that he's looking a wee bit sluggish at the moment, but I think we have to remember that he's not played a huge amount of football. I've also heard some stories that you know he's had some off field issues as well. Yeah, I've heard a story that there was a, a bereavement in his family or something like that. So there's maybe other stuff going on in the background as well. But I think, I genuinely think there's, there, there, there could be a player in Katic uh, and, and one worth pursuing, I think. Uh, I'm having a look at some of, the, some of the comments here on YouTube. Thanks for thanks for joining in, guys. Uh, Half-dead Scottish human said that we seem to score more goals without Morelos, so we should take the money and run. I, I think he'll be away in the summer anyway, guys. I'm sure I'm sure we've discussed this before in the pod and we would agree. Uh, I've just looked at the, the agenda there and realised that I've missed the second goal. I went from the first goal to the third goal, so sorry for that. Guys, Ryan Jack in the second goal, Stuart, he sort of made it and scored it himself, didn't he? Won it in the middle of the park, played a lovely one through and uh, slotted it home. He did, he did. Um, Jack had a, an excellent game. I mean, uh, obviously, David mentioned the, 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 the home midfield three, but I thought... Jack was the most impressive of the three. It was, it's it's interesting the way we're playing just now. That the midfield three are, are really really fluid in how they're playing. They're, they're, they didn't seem to have any sort of set position. 
and they seem to interchange quite a lot. I noticed it when we played Hearts the, the other week there at Ibrox, and it was the same yesterday. Um, and Jack seems to be benefiting from that possibly more than anybody else because he seems to be able to get a bit further forward. And, and I don't think he's, he's ever got to be the number ten that someone else wants to to see in the squad. But what it, 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 if he can pass the ball neat and tidily in deeper positions, then there's no reason why he can't do it. Um, and more forward positions, so I, I, I'd hope he'd, he'd gain confidence from that. And uh, obviously, the, his goal yesterday came from winning the ball in the middle of the park, but then he was intelligent enough to make a run. He could have just stood still, um, and but he, instead he moved on. And I think, I think early in the season, he may have not done that. Um, but obviously, the goals that he scored recently um, maybe gave him that extra uh, confidence to, to say, I can get forward, I can score goals, and he did that. And uh, all credit to Candias. I mean, the amount of times this season would have seen Candias, or don't necessarily just him, but any any attacking player actually pass that that ball to the left to Defoe, which was a wrong ball because there were three defenders there. But instead, we actually picked the right pass. And but Jack's finish was was sublime. He just passed it home, and it was excellent. And and it was a, actually it was a really important goal, the second goal, because as as we've done quite a lot this season, I, I think after we scored, certainly maybe five or ten minutes after we scored, we started to. To sit back a wee bit. Um, I don't know if it was deliberate, so we could try to pick Hearts off on the counter. But the Hearts were coming back into the game at that point. I think Whiting had a, a chance that just went just wide, and um, Piazzo had one that came from a long throw that he, he put over the bar. He probably should have done a bit better actually. Um, and then you start to wonder if have we got to concede here, and, and it would obviously undo our good work earlier in the first half. But unfortunately, we got the second goal, and that really sort of I think it killed Hearts' confidence a wee bit. The third goal was important too because the Hearts had a decent chance right right for the sort of kickoff in the start of the second half. But um, but getting back to Jack, I obviously is uh, he's had a good season this season. I I really like that Ryan Jack. I think he's a really good player. I think um, Scotland have, must have some good midfielders if if Jack can be considered a, a first pick in the squad. So um, I'm just hoping for more of the same from him next year. David, it took him a wee while to get on the score sheet, but since he's done it, it, it you know. It, it seems to be something he's anti's game on a regular basis now. You know, I think it's like one in every four games he's scoring at the moment. I definitely, I, I, I concur wholeheartedly with, with Stuart's comments. Here. I thought watching the game yesterday, I thought Ryan Jack was he was one man in the match. Um, I thought he was he was excellent in everything he did. Um, I know he, I know he possibly gave the the ball away a couple of times. I remember one time when he was um, Candias was was move it was on the line and. Uh, threatening to go forward and they misplaced a pass and, and Candace get caught offside but other than that I can't remember Ryan Jack making too many mistakes you know yourselves guys he's, he's if he's not the best player in Scotland at recycling the ball he's certainly one of them he'll be in the top three midfielders at recycling the ball and I uh, thought he was tremendous yesterday he's adding goals to his game um, I think the manager's um, obviously realised that other than Scott Arfield, there's, there's maybe a there's not enough of a goal contribution coming from, from the middle of the park, especially if you know if you're going to pin your hopes on a single striker with that four three three system that you seem to favour up until fairly recently. That you know if that player goes off the boil or you know he gets injured, then where are the other goals going to come from? Uh, Ryan Kent's chipped in with a couple, but other than Scott Arfield, there's not been a hell of a lot of you know, goals coming to other parts of the team. So um, he's all, they've obviously been working on that and training. Uh, Ryan Jack seems to have taken up the cudgel and, and said to himself, you know, I'm going to start making things happen. And, and his goal yesterday, Stuart said, he's, 
his composure to just slot that into the into the net was was excellent. Um, he's shown that he could do it in the past, playing for Aberdeen before he became their captain. Um, but obviously, in his latter time at, at Petodre and in his early days with us, he didn't really seem like much of a goal threat. It didn't even seem as if he, he was all that comfortable in in and uh, being a, having the ball in attacking areas. But he's he's adding that to his game, and I would like to think that you know going forward he could possibly. You know, maybe chip in with maybe half a dozen to eight goals a season. That would be that wouldn't be an unrealistic uh, demand on him, I wouldn't think. No, I would agree with that. Especially, you know, the going by the sort of rate that he's knocking them in at the moment. You know, I wouldn't disagree with that at all. I think it's something he he, he needed to add to his game and he's he certainly since he got that goal on the twenty ninth of December, it's 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 part of his game that's improving all the time. I I don't want to go overboard in terms of, you know, the result yesterday because my own feeling was that Hearts were were buying average and uh, I think we can we can pretty much say the now that if Hearts put in a performance like that in the cup final then then Celtic will have another treble because they, they were pretty poor. But that said, I think there were still two or three performances yesterday that and you know in the Rangers team that we merit talking about. Steve Davis is one of them. I. I must admit, when he first came back, the first few games that I seen him, I kind of thought, oh, it looks like we've made a mistake here. You know, he, he looks way off the pace. But the last couple of games I've seen him playing, he, he looks like he's starting to come back to his old self, Stuart. Hi. Uh, he has. He's done well. He's looking a lot sharper. I mean, I think anybody that plays the game or knows the game realises that you have to be playing uh, regularly to, to play your best. And, Clearly, Davis hadn't been playing very much at Southampton, and when we brought him back, I think, I think it was the wrong thing for Gerard to do was to stick him straight into the team when we played Kamarnock uh, that night. Um, obviously, he wanted to get him fit and, and sharp as, as soon as he could, but um, it, it was it was obvious he was he was well off the pace uh, in that game and and, it, and most of his games to start with. To be honest, and I think I was the same opinion as you, Colin. I thought wrong thing to do, and we maybe should have went with somebody else and. Uh, that was a bit younger, a bit fitter. I mean, even somebody like Dockery at the time, you thought maybe it would have been better to bring him back. Um, but to be fair, uh, Davis has, has got back in the team recently and I think it's on merit. I think he played well yesterday, as did Kamara as well. And uh, it's good to see it because Davis is an experienced player. I mean, as much as we all want to see Rangers sign young guys and uh, the potential to make a bit of money and move them on, you need experience in your team. And, and somebody like Davis has been there and done it at Rangers. He's won titles. He's... He's uh, lost titles, so it's and it's that type of experience you need to, along with the younger guys, to 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 um, bring back success. Um, so I, I, for one, I'm pleased. I think it looked, with the manager's uh, words, it looks like Davis will be here next season as well. I think it was only a six month deal originally, but I don't think Southampton will be hard to deal with. I think he'll probably come to us on a free in the summer, or at least extend his loan deal. Um, so it's it's good to see him playing well just now because I think um, if we can get him back fit and playing at the level that we're, we're used to seeing from him, then he'll be an important player for us next season. David, we've spoken about him before in the pod, but yet again yesterday, especially that pass that when he put through the four, you know, Kamara does. I think he's continuing to impress, and for the was it fifty fifty k we spent on him, you know, seems like a bit of a bargain. Definitely, definitely, he's he's. Um... Yesterday was one of his better performances. There was um, a couple of games there where he'd been off the boil slightly, as you'd expect. You know, he'd, he obviously came into the side, um, obviously had, had reasonable highs, 
uh, he, he was dropped for the, the game at Parkhead and maybe in, in hindsight that was was that the right thing to do? Mm, don't know. You, you could, you know, there's pros and cons for for that for both sides of the the coin in that one. Um, at fifty k, as you've you've rightly mentioned, Colin, it's, it's, it looks like smart business. That's the type of signings that Rangers should be making, and uh, judging by the guys that they've signed up, um, that's obviously part of the strategy to get guys in that are that are not going to cost the earth, uh, that have got potential, selling potential. And Glenn definitely falls into that category. Um, can he improve? Undoubtedly. Uh, I think he could be more physical. Um, I don't think he's ever going to be an enforcer as such, but, but he could certainly he could toughen up a wee bit. And he's going to need to do that if he wants to become a standout Rangers player. But he's, he's certainly got the tools in his locker. I like his balance. I think I've mentioned this before and I've spoken about him in previous pods. Um, I'm, I'm a big one for, for balance in terms of you know, can you go to your left side, can you go to your right side? Um, I, I'll hop back to, to Mikel Arteta. I remember one of the first things that stuck out last thumb for me when, when Mikel Arteta came out, which was his, his balance. It's just that kind of Latino balance. And, you know, Kamara's quite similar. Yeah, you would say, is a, is a, you, know, that's, you could say that's an African trait in, in many respects. He's, he's a, I just like him as a player. I, I think he can get better. Um, his range of passing is good. He's, he's complimenting a guy that can that can pass the ball and has good vision in, in Stevie Davis. And and uh, you know, given the chance, Ryan Jack, he's 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 no lacking in, in vision either. So I think the three of them are just they're playing well together. And uh, Stuart mentioned there at the top of the show, we've obviously got a uh, we've got a reasonably hard game next week, and we'll be interesting to see how we cope. And he'd be one of the guys that you're looking to to say, right, well, this is. This is one of the games where Glenn's going to, you'd like to think, would, would rise to the occasion and stamp his authority on the game. Sure. There's there's one other player I thought played very well yesterday and he done pretty well uh, last week against Motherwell, two weeks ago, sorry, against Motherwell as well. And, it, you know, he's been in and out of the team all year and that's Flanagan. Now, again, kind of similar to Katic when he first sort of arrived and, you know, was playing at left back for a bit. He looked solid, and then he kind of went off the boil, and I, I just kind of thought, oh, no, he's, he's, he's not going to be worth keeping this boy. But the last two or three games when he's come in, he's done really, really well, and he, he slammed into that tackle to win the ball for the first goal or something. I am, I'm pretty pleased with the lad. I must, I must admit, I, would, I didn't really want to, to sign Flanagan. I think his personal history made it probably a risk we didn't really need to take. I think we could have had somebody else there or uh, that, that could have done a similar job. I mean, obviously, Hardy's proven this season that he could have done it. Um, whether or not the, the fans would have accepted that during the European run, I'm not so sure. Because Flanagan did do well then. I think a lot of fans forget that. I think he had a, a decent start to Rangers' career. You're right, he did go off the boil. Um, he got a bit slack. He looked like he put a bit of weight on as well. Um, and in his last two or three games, when he just came back into the team. That, that weight seems to have gone as well. He looked really trim. It seems to have helped him with regards to his pace, for one thing. Um, but he's, he's certainly physical. He, he slams into tackles and aerial challenges like Navy's business. And sometimes it can be a bit of a risk, um, as we found a few times this season with the Scottish referees. Um, and Flanagan found it with, obviously, with European referees as well. Um, I mean, you, you thought, but um, I, I think there's, he's got a lot of strengths and qualities, uh, Flanagan. And obviously, it, it's the physical aspect of his games one of those, and, and we benefited with, 
with his, his tackle yesterday that led to the, the first goal. Um, is he worth keeping? I don't know. I, I think I think the problem is whenever the ball goes out to a wide left wing in an attacking sense, it's yeah, it tends to uh, it tends to to hamstring us a wee bit. In terms of a backup player in the squad, then I think he's as good as anybody else. Um, we gave a lot of credit to Halliday when he came back in the side, and they deserved it. And I think uh, I think Flanagan does as well, to be honest. What about you, David? The squad player for Flanagan worth keeping? I'd keep him. Uh, I, I'm concurring both your comments. Um, I like my defenders to be defenders first and foremost, and that's that's obviously what John Flanagan is. I think it's, it's important to bear in mind that the, um, the guy's played out of position. Even though he can play, in, play as a left-back, he's a natural right-back. Uh, he's obviously been at the game for a long time. Went down to Bolton uh, when he left Liverpool. Um, and obviously, you know, it's well documented the problems that they've had behind the scenes at that club. So, I think he can cut the guy a bit of slack. Um, when he came in at first, you know, I think we've seen the, the kind of the aggressive side. His, his, his game came to the fore and we were all, you know, quite impressed with it. And then obviously went off the boil, you know, positionally. He was maybe, maybe caught out a couple of times. Um, then, as Stuart rightly mentioned, he, he, he looked as if he'd, he'd maybe put on a bit of a weight, or he certainly he, he didn't look as if he was losing weight. Um, that that could be a hangover for the amount of time that he's had at the game, and maybe you're now seeing that um, he's you know the, the kind of match sharpness that that kind of base that physical baseline that a player would need. You know, he's actually achieving that. I could be wider than Mark would saying that though. Uh, maybe it could be a case of you know he's maybe knuckled in. Went, well, I'm not going to be here much longer if I don't, if I don't, uh, you know, get myself on the side and, and start looking the business. That could be part of it. But as a backup player, I definitely, definitely, I, I, I rate John Flanagan. I think he's, as a defender, he's good. I think you've seen in the last couple of games how high up the park is. There's times when Rangers are on the ball, when they've got the ball in their own half in between. Uh, you know, the 18 yard box in the, in the centre circle, and, and John Flanagan's known the picture. That shows you how high up the, the pitch is. And that's obviously down to, to the tactics that are employed by the manager. And uh, is, is it fair to judge a guy that's played at a position in a system like that? Uh, possibly, but um, to answer your question, I would I would keep him as a as a, as a squad player. He's, he's worth sticking with, I think. I think that the money that he's costing and how much it would cost to replace somebody, I don't see anybody, certainly in Scottish. In terms of, or, um, you know, I don't see anybody as a defender, a right back, or a left back to be worth signing. Um, and by all accounts, you know, there's no many, there's no guys coming through for the youth setup that are necessarily going to put pressure on his place as a squad player, a first team squad player. So, um, I, I would, I would keep him. I think, sorry, cut across your column, but I think um, left back is going to be an important position for us next season. Obviously, just now we've got we've got Barisic, we've got Halliday. We've got Wallace and we've got Flanagan. So the four of them, all there sort of competing for that position. Um, it's no beyond the realms of possibility that um, at least two of them could, could be away in the summer. Um, and uh, Barisic and, and Wallace, obviously, leaving us with Halliday and Flanagan. And I doubt any of us would, as much as these guys have done quite well recently, I doubt any of us would really want to be have them as our first-choice left-back going into a new season. As backup players and utility players, I definitely. But... Um, I think it's the signing of Barisic has, has been a bit of a, a letdown. And 
it's difficult to see if, if he's going to be here next season or not. I mean, he wasn't even in the squad yesterday, neither was Gresda. It looks like he's on his way as well. So it's uh, it's it's a bit of a shame, but that's all the more reason for, to, to give Flanagan a bit of credit. I mean, I've seen guys on, on Twitter slagging him off yesterday, and that's fine. Um, he's, he's definitely a Marmite sort of player, but he's came in the last three games. He's looked fit. He's obviously been keeping himself fit and working hard and training for the manager to to trust him to get back in the side. And when he's came back in, he's done the business. And I think that's all we can ask of players, really, to be honest. Yeah, I would agree. I, I mean, I, I understand why some people were giving him a bit of stick earlier on in the season because his his performance levels did drop, but. I think since he's been asked to do a job over the last few weeks, he's come in and done it very, very well. And part of me wonders if, if Tav does go in the summer, because he's a name that's been touted for a sort of move down south, that would he provide a sort of instant solution to that problem at right back, even just for one season or whatever, I don't know. Because I think, like like what David said there, I think first and foremost, he defends. You know what I mean? He not, not very much gets past him. His distribution can be a bit ropey at times, uh, but overall, I think he would be certainly at left back worth, you know, keeping in terms of a backup. And if Tav goes, then you've got that option at right back as well. Anyway, right, I think we've we've covered the game, so maybe time to move on to a couple of other topics that we're going to look at. Uh, there was one or two things that happened through the week. Sure, I'll come to you first. Obviously, Alex McLeish removed from his position as a Scottish international manager this week. I don't know how you feel about this. Uh, the, the minute I heard, I sort of had a wee browse on social media and saw some of the comments. And there's a lot of people celebrating the fact that he'd been sacked. You know what I mean? Now, it might just be me, but I've felt for a while now that the whole relationship between Rangers and SFA and Scotland and all the rest of it and the treatment of some of our players, you know, getting booed by the Tartan Army and all the rest of it, I kind of felt for the beginning because the minute he was appointed, you know, you just saw loads of comments, you know, Big Alec, the cheat, EBTs, all this kind of thing. I think Big Eck was, was wanting to hide to nothing with this job. And it kind of feels to me like he's been hung out to dry on this. How how do you feel about it? I think you've, you've summed up that pretty well. I mean, to be honest, I, I don't think he was ever the right choice. Anyway, I thought it was a lazy choice. Obviously, a cheap choice. Understandable. To a degree, I suppose so. I mean, he's got good experience. He, he did pretty well with the national team in his first spell. Um, but uh, he was never the right the right guy, I don't think. And he was never going to appease um, a, lot, a lot of people in the Tartan Army and, and beyond and in the media that nowadays any sort of link whatsoever to Rangers um, is, is seen as toxic. Um, and that explains why um, our, our fans of... So taking a, a, a lot, there's a lack of interest in what happens with Scotland, and it's a shame because, it, I mean, when I was a lad, I, Scotland were important to me. I used to like watching them as much as any, anything else, and World Cups and, and what have you. And now we didn't have that, and it's it's a a, a, a pity, and it's 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 even worse when obviously when guys like Ryan Jack we mentioned earlier, who when they do get picked for Scotland, they, they get booed and given the treatment, but be uh, daft guys in the crowd as well and, and I think the same thing's happened here I think obviously McLeish is the easy option to go after as a scapegoat after what happened to the to the team in Kazakhstan and, and fair enough um, the, the manager has to take his fair share of the blame for that I think um, so, so do the players I mean um, and you didn't really see any of them getting criticised 
Yeah. Right, the ones, the ones that bother to turn up because well, that's something but, that you know that's something that happened under McLeish. There was right. a huge, a huge rise in people not turning up for squads. Right, so why, why is that? I mean, is, is it because I mean, is, is it the teams that encourage that? The clubs put pressure on the players themselves. I mean, the problem you've got now, Colin, is is it's different for the nineteen seventies, nineteen eighties, and, and when Scotland were qualifying for things. Players now, the Bosman rule and all the rest of it, they're a big commodity, and the the money they earn is huge money. I mean, uh, you're talking 20, 30 grand uh, for some of the guys uh, that'll be in the, the, the Scottish League. And then obviously, if they're playing down south, they'll be in even bigger cash. So um, it didn't surprise me that, that clubs might put a bit of pressure onto the players and say, listen, if you have any sort of injury at all, or obviously the Kazakhstan game was uh, was played on, on a 4G pitch right away, that the, there were two or three players that were asked not to play in that. So this is this is a problem you've got now. It's You're sort of... It's, it's goodwill for players to turn up and, 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 and put in a good performance. And I guess this is where actually the manager needs to earn his corn. It needs to be, he needs to be able to motivate his players and he needs to be able to have a good relationship with, with guys at the bigger clubs to say, hold on, you need to come and play for Scotland and, and do the same, uh, put in the same uh, application you would do if you were playing for, for, for Celtic or anybody else. So it's, as I say, it's, it's a bit of shame we were international football, but. I must, I must admit, it didn't really pique my interest that much either. Um, I, I guess if there was more uh, Rangers players in the team, I'd probably be a lot more interested. But that seems to be, I think, McLeish, as I said earlier, it's, a, it's another example of a toxic relationship between Rangers and uh, the SFA and and, uh, and and Scottish football, to be honest. David, how did you view the whole Big Ek thing? Do you, do you think he's, he's former employees? Sorry, his former employers had a, a bearing on the, the sort of you know the, the the way it was received by the, the the wider sort of Scottish football community. It seemed to me like they were taking a bit of joy out of it. Um, I think the, the initial uh, the initial stuff that, that, that was in the media in the, the immediate aftermath of the. The reverse against Kazakhstan was was pretty distasteful. Obviously, the rumours floating about um, about his health, um, about team talks and what have you. I thought it was pretty bad. Uh, Ian Maxwell, the SFE, could have come out and, and that time the budget right away, but obviously chose not to um, for reasons known only to himself and and others behind closed doors. Um, was he hung out to dry? I quite possibly. Quite probably in many respects. I mean, don't forget, um, he fulfilled part of his remit by getting, uh, given the, the, the national team a, an option to qualify for the European Championships through the Nations League. So that seems to have all been forgotten a bit. And it seems that he's lost his job on the back of um, one poor result on, as Stuart says, there, a, an artificial surface against you know players that this um, kind of arrogant mindset that we've got as, as Scots these days when it comes to football that we can't really back up that we should be beating teams like Kazakhstan who you know, in, in recent times when it comes to you know the Champions League um, group stage qualification these qualifier matches you know the FC Astana you know, a decent team with decent uh, financial backing you know you, you kind of dismiss sides you know, to the same extent as, as, as Scotland maybe, you know, could rightfully uh, do so maybe 25, 30 years ago. Um, those days are gone. Um, so, but Alec, did, I mean, did he need to take the job? 
that's debatable. Obviously, wants to work in football. He's maybe get you know, he maybe get balls to pay. I don't know. Uh, but you know, you look at some of the distasteful stuff. Michael Stewart talking about how he was, you know, the fans didn't fans him because he had an EBT. I mean, for 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 somebody to come out with that is, you know, it's it's it's, it's poor poor show. And the fact that guys like, like ourselves are maybe, you know. Drawing the conclusions that, that anything to do with, with a Rangers connection is unpalatable to the Scottish football public, that stuff like that is only going to ramp that that mindset up. And on the flip side of that, you know, you've got Scott, you've got Rangers fans who maybe would be, you know, want to go to Hamden, support Scotland in the pub, you know, or at home watch them in games. You know, there's only going to harden attitudes towards, uh, you know, disliking that that side of Scottish football. So. Um, I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm certainly one of those. I mean, I used to get, I mean, I was never a big follower of Scotland in terms of going to the games. I think I've only been to one or two games down the years, but certainly whenever Scotland played, in, especially in big games, you know, you would always head to the pub with your mates and really enjoy it. That sort of thing just does not interest me now. I just, I, I would happily sit and watch Scotland at rugby, but in terms of watching the football side, it, it's gone because I've just seen so much, you know, negativity from that sort of, especially the Tartan Army, you know, when it comes to Rangers, I just think, no, you know, I think of the players like Lee Wallace, uh, even I, I don't like him, but Ian Black got it as well, you know, Ryan Jacks got it recently. Uh, and then the minute McGregor announced he was retiring, I saw a few things on social media about him as well. You, know, you just get sick of it. You don't, if you don't feel part of it, why would you want to get involved in it? No, I know you're, you're, you're spot on. You're spot on. But why would you want to... Why would you want to be part of that? It's 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 a difficult one, Colin. I mean, you could you could spend a, a whole show talking about that, about the relationship the Rangers have got with the SFA and Scottish football at large. Um, aye, to get back to your, your original question, it, it, aye, I like my cliche. But it, it was it was it the the tenuous Rangers link that, that that it was almost a poison chalice for them. Aye, quite probably. You know this. There's just a dislike for Rangers through Scottish football. It's, it's ramped up in certain corners of the media by certain protagonists, uh, and they appeal to the lowest common denominator. And it's sad. And you obviously you see in an ideal world. And I know we don't live in one, but in an ideal world, you you would have um, a fifty-fifty representation for the, the old firm clubs, that being you know the, the, the natural two biggest sides in Scotland, and the Rangers are, are sadly lacking there. And, and see, Brian Jack's like a classic case in point. I mean, I think Stevie Gerrard came out and said, you know how how he's not getting more Scotland caps as a mystery. I mean, he's quite right in pointing that. I mean, Ryan Jack should should be picking up cap, more caps than he has been, and he certainly didn't deserve to be booed, you know, by. Um, fans of other clubs that maybe are attending games at Pataudry or, or Easter Road, and it's it's they've just put you off going to watch Scotland. To be quite honest with you, well, it does. Yeah, it does. Uh, sure. Another thing that came on through the week was well, obviously it's renewal time. You know the the emails come out to the renewal season tickets. I, I got mine through for for me and my boy uh, Dave King. Sort of came out with a few comments to sort of promote the season tickets and. That seemed to attract some 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 criticism, especially he made a comment around dominating Scottish football. Uh, how how did you see that? I, I thought it was a bit astute about nothing myself, but yourself. I think it just goes back to what we we're just saying. It's any, any anything related to Rangers is is seen as fair game by 
uh, commentators in, in Scotland that they have to be negative uh, or extract the proverbial, you know. And King's, I, th- I think um, I'm never overly excited when I hear that Dave King's released some sort of statement or all the rest of it. I think it tends to be a bit verbose and I think it tends to say the wrong thing too often for me. Um, I think it's been a problem at Rangers ever since David Murray was in charge, to be honest. I, I don't know if um, how much of the PR side of things is, is inputs towards that, but I, I think his comments probably were, they're a bit overly optimistic. I think it's probably the, the right thing to say. Um, however, he, he's got a job to do, and, and that's to, to, to sell season tickets. I mean, this year, I think, what was it 46,000 were sold, something like that, which is an incredible number. So he needs to try and keep that. That that is that is high again. I mean, um, apparently we've got a, a waiting list of thirteen thousand, which is incredible. Um, that doesn't account for for any sort of wastage. I mean, I imagine there'll be a lot of people might not renew next season. That's that's fine. Uh, the price seems to have went up again. I mean, it's about five percent across the board. It's a lot of money. I mean, my, my season ticket. I win the Brune loan, and uh, it's going to be four hundred and eighty-five quid. It's a lot of cash. Um, especially there's, uh, uh, I think the, the the finance thing is isn't available yeah, that, at, the, at the moment. Yeah, it's failed on the Yeah, I'm, I'm fortunate enough to to be able to pay off on on a winner. I've, I've renewed already for next season, which is great. I can't wait. But for a lot of people, it's five hundred pound this time of year. It's it is a lot of cash, and uh, so uh, you so it's, it's it's King's jobs to be positive. Um, Rangers fans on the daft. Uh, we didn't button up the back. A lot of people might try and suggest we do uh, with what happened with Craig White and and, uh, and uh, Charles Green, but I, th- I think we're, we're, we're sensible enough and uh, optimistic enough that we, we we can see improvement this season, and we're looking for to see that even more next season to put up a challenge against Celtic. Are we in tangible tangible reach of dominating Scottish football? I, I don't I don't think that that's true. I think it's, it's a bit as I say overly optimistic, but. It, the same, it's, it's it's not hardly a big deal either to, to, to claim that, you know. David, there was another wee thing this week that I thought was, was worthy of talking about. Uh, Kilmarnock announced that they're, they're cutting our uh, ticket allocation for the final game of the season. And normally we get the two stands behind each goal, we're only getting one this time. Kilmarnock are saying it's because they're celebrating their 150th anniversary. It could be Stevie Clark's last game before he goes to Celtic. You heard it here first, uh, and all these other sort of reasons. Uh, I get the argument, and I do that. You know, that's you know, it's down to the, the home club. If they want to cut your allocation, then that's down to them. And, and as the away club, you, you just need to accept that. But is there a little bit of this? I mean, this has happened with Habs. You know, they've cut our allocation. I noticed today uh, at the Celtic game. Celtic fans had that full allocation behind that goal, you know. So I think sometimes clubs are guilty switching it on and switching it off again whenever it suits them in terms. Of, oh, we'll give you eight thousand tickets, but this time we're only going to give you four thousand. But the next time we'll maybe give you six thousand. You know, does it feel to you like you know they're kind of taking the piss out of you know supporters that are trying to get to the games? I think there's an element of that, Con. Um, I mean, as you've said there, Billy Bowie and, and Kilmarnock are, are perfectly entitled to to allocate uh, as few tickets as the rules, the league rules are permitting. Um, it's, they're entitled to do that. Uh, obviously, you know, we've 
normally get both the Chadwick stand and the Moffat stand at Rugby Park. Um, that's what eight thousand in allocation, and that still leaves another ten thousand seats for Kilmarnock to to sell. And you know, more often than not, they don't get anywhere near selling those ten thousand briefs. And if 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 they if they manage to pack out Rugby Park with fourteen thousand fans, uh, I'll eat my hat. Um, I don't care what they're celebrating. Uh, I think they could they could get. There could be an amnesty between themselves and, and Air United and trying get Air United's hardcore support along to fill the part and they struggle to do that. Um, so, uh, are they taking the mickey? Aye, there'll be an element of that. There'll be an element of that. They, they, they've got a, there's an element to their support that, that they, as, as a, a club management uh, or executive, they, they've, they've got to pander to. Um, they're in the business of selling season tickets as well. Uh, has their, um, has their, their, their core support risen in the last couple of years? Not to any great extent. I mean, you think that, that, that when Stevie Clark came into the job at Kilmarnock, they were lying at the, the foot of the table. And then inside that season, he's got them into the top half of the table. I think they were, they were fifth in the league. Am I right in saying that? Um, this season, you know, they were at the top of the table uh, for a, a few weeks during the season. They've obviously been in third up until yesterday when they, they came on start against Aberdeen. And has the, has, when you think, that Kilmarnock probably playing the best football they've played for the last 20 years? I mean, is it, you would expect the crowds to go up. The only time I can remember a, a sizable crowd turning up at Rugby Park was when uh, I think Jimmy Calder was the manager. And it was the final game of the season and they, and they had to, to win to avoid either the playoff or automatic relegation. I think they, they got about ten or eleven thousand. So still, you know, just some some way short of capacity. Are they going to do that again in the final game of the season? I doubt it. And are they are they you know are they deliberately taking advantage of, of Ranger supporters when it suits them? Aye. Aye, I would say that they're not the only club that's guilty of that. Uh, and that's how it looks to me. Look, but I mean, given given that the game's still three, four weeks away, I think there's every chance that they will get an increased support for that game. You know, if it is Steve Clark's last game, and obviously they've got the the, the 150 year celebrations thing, but are they going to get that next season against us and the season after that? You know, and it's just turning the tap on and off when it suits them. So when they think, oh, we're not going to get that big a crowd, we'll just give them back that stand behind the goal again. It's it's that arrogance, it's that expectation that we can just turn this back on and these guys will turn up. It's that that sort of infuriates me with, with this whole thing. Uh, I get it's within their right and I, I appreciate that and I respect that. It's up to them how many tickets they're prepared to give us. As long as you pointed out, David, that it meets the minimum criteria uh, the competition, but this turning on and off again kind of pisses me off a wee bit. I must admit, I just I don't go to a huge amount of away games. I tend to I'd go to all my home games and maybe do a couple of away games a season, so it doesn't have a huge impact on me. But for boys that go all the time, I could understand why they would be they would be thoroughly sort of peeved off at that situation. Moving on again, guys. I think you know, conscious of time, we're into the sort of last ten minutes of the show, so I thought we'd have a quick. A squint at the Aberdeen game next Sunday and obviously Celtic play on the Saturday there at home to Kilmarnock of all teams we've just been talking about them uh, Rangers are currently eight points clear of Aberdeen at the moment you know 
truly Stuart this is a big opportunity to secure second place that would be the first time we've done it since we, we returned to the top flight I think I think we need to go and win on, on Sunday I don't think there's any excuse I think um, we're at home um, we've got a few things to prove against Aberdeen um, obviously we're, we'll still be missing uh, Morelos uh, and I'm not sure if Kent's back or not but um, I think we're playing well enough to that we don't need either of them. In fact, not having Morelos might sort of focus the mind somewhat, um, rather than the, it being all about him and any sort of battle up against McKenna or whoever else is playing for second half of Aberdeen this weekend. It's uh, we, we can spread the load across the rest of the team and hopefully um, break Aberdeen down, avoid giving away cheap goals. I mean, obviously in the, in the cup game at Ibrox, uh, Kamara probably made his only real bad mistake since he has arrived with, with giving away Aberdeen a goal in the first five minutes or so with a silly square pass. If we can avoid doing that, avoid giving away unnecessary set pieces, I think we'd, we're guilty, actually a wee bit guilty of that yesterday at Tynecastle. We gave away a, a few silly fouls. Remember Tav gave one away just right in the stroke of half time, which was a bit a bit naive. Um, and obviously Hart's threat and the same Aberdeen as, as uh, big men up front so I think it'll be the same again in terms of the, the, the team Katic will play again to deal with Cosgrove um, and uh, it'll be up to us to to, to win the midfield battle and uh, also create at the same time so I think we'll see the same three it'll be Jack Kamara and, uh, and and Davis I guess McCrory might possibly make the team instead of perhaps Davis but I doubt it I think it'd be, be, be daft to, to change the side and uh, I'm kind of hoping that we, we, we put Aberdeen to the sword, to be honest, uh, on Sunday. David, our record against this even, especially in Glasgow, you know, it's been really poor. Obviously, we got a good win up in Pataudry uh, during about February time and Defoe came on and scored and secured the win. But in Glasgow, you know, we're, we're, we're beating us at Ibrox, obviously beat us in the semi-final at Hamden. Why have we struggled so much against this team? Because they, they're a fairly bog-standard side. Uh, difficult to, to put your finger on it. Um, I think I think it's fair to, to say that the inflexibility of the four three three system by the by the manager could possibly account for um, certainly the, the defeat in, in December, the one 0 defeat in December. Um, having said that, Aberdeen they seem to I mean it was, to go from. I mean, Graham Murray quite easily um, outfoxed Derek McInnes last season. And then it's almost been the polar opposite this season where it looks that Derek McInnes is, is tactically schooled Steven Gerrard in the games that we've came up against him, with obviously the, the exception of the, the one at Pataudry. Um I just think that the, the, the Rangers have found that Difficult to break them down there. Obviously, they're a stuffy team. They're a physical team. I think Lewis Ferguson, as limited as he is uh, in certain respects, he's played a big part in in, in them uh, causing Rangers problems. Um, it'll be interesting to see how they come to grips with Aberdeen next Sunday, uh, especially in later. You know, Mister Morelis not not being eligible to play. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I, 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 it's difficult to put my finger on it, Colin. I, I just think that, that they, they seem to be... Um, the, the League Cup semi-final seem to kind of knock the collective confidence a wee bit, especially at stage in the season. And I think that they got into their, their minds a wee bit, thinking, well, 
Aberdeen have managed to you know, kind of soak up the what we suspected to be, you know, the kind of Rangers strongest part of their game in and that they would you know, they, they would have the vast majority of possession, they'd create chances and, and the game at Hamden obviously didn't create much other than maybe Umar Sadiq going through the centre and that kind of late penalty claim. Um penalty. I, 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 the, 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 <laughs> I mean, the dive, you mean? Maybe that an incorrect choice of words there. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I, I, I don't know. It's a difficult one. It's a difficult one. Been, you know, going on and on and been long-winded anymore than I normally am. Uh, it's, a hard, <laughs> it's a hard one to, it's a hard one to, to pinpoint. Go. Uh, Stuart, David sort of mentioned there that, that you know the Rangers system has maybe played into Aberdeen's hands a wee bit, you know, the 4-3-3 and being so dependent on Morelos and so, and Aberdeen did target him, there's no doubt about it, you know, as you say, especially McKenna. With him being out, the, with him being out on this occasion, does that change the, the, the sort of, the game in any way? I think it does. It's possibly makes it less physical than it normally would be. I mean, I mentioned earlier that obviously Morelos and McKenna would have some good battles earlier this season, that, that, You'll not have that um, this weekend, obviously. So it'll be a game we'll be looking to try and play through the centre. And I think that plays to our strengths with, with, with Defoe. Uh, our field's on form. Um, it's just, I think Kent is back. I think he only had a two-game suspension, didn't he? So he'll be back for Sunday. So it's up to the manager whether or not he plays him or sticks with Candias. Um, I think, as I say, so that, that keeps us more central and it, and it plays to our, our, our uh, strengths and also away from Aberdeen's strength. I mean, I, th I quite like Max Floyd left back. I think he's done a good job for Aberdeen. Um, and uh, Dominic Ball, I think, played right back the last time we played them and he had a good game as well. So um, if, if we're able to, to, to avoid them, then maybe it'll, it'll help us create a, a few more chances. Um, it, it's going to be interesting because I, I can't see Aberdeen been overly open. I think, as I say, they'll, they'll try and keep it tight as per usual. They did the same against Kilmarnock uh, yesterday at Rubber Park. They'll be looking to to, 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 to to try and create any chances for set pieces and, and on the counter. So uh, I think it'll be pretty similar to the other games that we've played against them this season. The one at Hamden, the one and the, the one they'll game at Ibrox where we dominated the game and just didn't really create enough. So it's up to us to, to, to take, change that, make sure we still dominate it, but create more chances and take our chances and, and obviously avoid mistakes that, that that's cost us goals against Aberdeen this season that we, we shouldn't have conceded. Right, guys, final question of the night. Uh, I'll put it out to the two. Celtic drop points again today. Obviously, they're up against Kilmarnock next week. If they drop points again and we beat Aberdeen, is the title race back on? David? Nah, I don't think so. I think you'd be... <laughs> Yes, you'd be foolish to. Even the wildest optimist in the world would be foolish to say, "I would be back on." Um, assuming we win and they drop two points, you know, possibly three. I would have been. I'd be down to seven or six. But, uh, you know, given that that Kilmarnock have got a few suspensions to serve for next week uh, that will kick in, I think it'd be. It, it would be wild optimism to say that the race would be back on. But you know. Yeah. Saying that things have happened, I, I hope, I sincerely hope that I'm wrong in saying that, Colin, for obvious reasons. What about you, Stuart? 
Yeah, I think I think David's right. Unfortunately, um, because we had the, the the anyone but Celtic campaign uh, kick in yesterday with Stephen McLean referee and that that gave Robbie Park. Obviously, Kamarka without their, their two first choice certain halves for next weekend. Right enough, the Broadfoot's appealing yeah. his, and so yeah. he, might, he might well feature, I suppose. But um, no, I, I can't see anything else in a Celtic win next weekend at uh, Celtic Park. Unfortunately, um, you never know. So. Uh, I think if I had big Marvin Andrews on the phone, you'd say keep believing. Keep so, believing. Yeah. Fair enough. That's what he said to me last week at that dinner. Keep believing. Anyway, uh, conscious of time there, guys. I think that's it for another week. So thanks for joining us on this week's uh, Jersnet Weekly Podcast. A big thanks to Stuart and David for their comments. Excellent stuff as always. We've obviously got the home game next week against Aberdeen, so there'll be a show out at the same time next week at half nine on YouTube next week. Need to take time to give a wee mention to Stephen Clifford and the four lads. They've they've released a new podcast. It's now available, so we would encourage you to go and uh, listen to that. He's speaking to Andrew Little, who obviously used to play for the club, and Chris Jack from the Evening Times. So get yourselves onto that quality stuff from Stephen. Uh, also, get on the, the Jersnet forums at www.jersnet.co.uk. Get yourself onto Jersnet, read all the articles, get on the forums, talk to fellow bears. It's great stuff. Uh, and until next week, bye for now.